You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. So I actually want to start off today with a fun little story about how apparently Mr. Matt Patricia has decided to start a burner account. Most of you have probably seen this. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, f- I find it interesting for a couple reasons. Number one, I love a good conspiracy theory, and although it's not technically a conspiracy, that would involve conspiring. It's kind of an out there, you know, seems not likely, but all the pieces point to one thing, you know? And it's actually to the point, as I looked at all these tweets, that there's no way that this isn't intended to look like Matt Patricia. It's either Matt Patricia who did a bad job of covering up for himself, which, see, and that that's the thing, why would you... If you're going to create a burner, let me start with this, because this, this whole thing is baffling to me, because it's one of two things. Either Matt Patricia did this and he's really stupid, because he created a burner. This account, I believe, was created just a couple days after he got fired. The account then went on to do nothing but defend Matt Patricia, and specifically called Matt Patricia Coach Patricia. Just about every single thing says Coach Patricia, with capital C, capital P. Very respectful. It's either Matt Patricia, who did a terrible job pretending to not be himself, by basically using his own name and describing himself. The the burner account is Eddie P. Lions Fan. You say, well, that's not his name. It's Matt Patricia. His middle name is Edward. So he used his middle name and his last name initial and Lions Fan. He then goes on to say he's a dad of three, which Matt Patricia is, and a tech nerd. Matt Patricia went to uh, Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute, which is largely a technology institute. So again, it's not a matter of, is this meant to look like Matt Patricia? It This is clearly pointing at being Matt Patricia, but it's either Matt Patricia did this angrily, which kind of makes sense, right? You get fired, you're, shut it, I'm in the middle of something here, all right? I'm busy. You get fired, you see a bunch of stuff on Twitter, you want to respond, but you can't because you are Matt Patricia, so you just create another account, right? Simple. So it's not that hard to believe that he would have done it, it's just hard to believe that he'd be so stupid as to basically make it as himself. Call yourself Mark Tonio. put up a random picture, I mean you could just put up Matt Stafford, who cares? Say you have one kid and are a graduate of Harvard, I mean, you know... Just lie. You have to lie, Matt. He j- it, uh. Now, the only other option is somebody is trying to create a burner account for Matt Patricia and laid all these little, little hints, which hilariously is more of a crazy theory than that this is Matt Patricia himself. It's crazier to think it's not Pat- Matt Patricia than to think that it is Matt Patricia. Let me just look, run through some of the things that this burner account has said. I, again, I find it funny because uh, not only do I love this kind of crazy stuff, but it actually kind of gives you some insights into what these... Because all you ever hear at the podium is coach speak. And so you get the most raw human 
you realize these are just people. These are just the same kind of Twitter trolls that you see 24-7 anyways. They just happen to have really high-profile jobs. He says numerous times, if the Lions organization would have listened to him, everything would be different. The only awful thing Coach Patricia did was hitching his wagon to an organization like the Detroit Lions. Again, he calls himself Coach Patricia, which is just, in my opinion, a giveaway. Either that or it's just a sycophant. But there's one in here that I think is a really, really big dead giveaway. One person, Mr. Drunk Matty P., says, Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia are fired. Lions fans rejoice. Another person goes on to say, bad take. Eddie P. responds, I don't care what the talking heads think. I think he forgot that he was a burner account for a moment there. I mean, it doesn't have to be. I mean, any fan could say that, but it definitely sounds like he's talking as himself. I, Matt Patricia, don't care what the talking heads think. Hilariously, he actually responds as Andrew Siciliano questions, does Matt Patricia have a burner? Chris Robbins goes on, blah, 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 blah. He responds to a response of that, again, by referring to himself as Coach Patricia, all caps, not all caps, but capital C, capital P. Coach Patricia did what he could with the roster Quinn gave him. Bob Quinn was the problem. And somebody asked for clarification. He goes on to clarify, using a first-round pick on a tight end is the biggest gripe. There were other players that could have helped, such as defensive lineman Ed Oliver, who would have played very well in Patricia's scheme. Again, it's interesting because you actually get insights into what the coach thinks and what the coach wanted. If this really is him, he's just laying it all to bear. He should just stop tweeting and write a book probably make more money than with his coaching career because at this point there's not much to be had how about this little nugget stafford which he spells stanford which again if this isn't him i don't i mean i don't know (laughs) i don't know man i mean it's first of all huge lions fan that knows everything about the lions but doesn't know how to spell his own quarterback's name it could just be a you know autocorrect on his phone but again Going down the whole conspiracy thing, this seems like a lame attempt to pretend that he doesn't know what he's talking about, but what a stupid way to do that, because again, you know everything about the the Lions draft picks, you know everything about the organization, and you're also responding to somebody who spelled the quarterback's name correctly, and you say, Lions would be better off moving on, he says, Stanford is uncoachable. Again, if this is Matt Patricia, he went on to say that their quarterback is uncoachable. Which, by the way, is something I've never heard about Matt Stafford. There was a tweet about Darius Slay, how he missed a tackle on DK Metcalf. A few minutes later, he got called for unsportsmanlike conduct. Mr. Eddie P. Lions fan says, Surprise! Coach Patricia was right. If the Lions organization and players listened to him, then everything would be different. Which, interestingly enough, it sounds like they did listen to you and got rid of Darius Slay. And just how creepy it is. He keeps saying Coach Patricia. It doesn't make any sense. You act like Coach Patricia was the problem. If his players had listened to him, we wouldn't even have this conversation. So the organization didn't live, listen to him, the players wouldn't listen to him, and Matt, and Matt Stafford is uncoachable. Again, if this isn't Matt Patricia, this is either the biggest um, coincidence in the history of the world, it's somebody trying to pretend to be Matt Patricia, which kind of makes me want to do this, like create a burner account that's kind of you know, somewhat slightly reminiscent of, let's say, Matt LaFleur. Although I shouldn't do it for Matt LaFleur. I should do, like, Nagy or something. I don't want to create controversy for the Pat. But you know what I mean? Like, just do, like, his middle name, you know, with a bunch of numbers next to it, and just comment on everything anti-Nagy and, uh, you know, see where that takes us. 
But again, if you're curious and want to check this out, it's Eddie P. Lions fan. He did not delete this account, um, but he also has not tweeted or responded to anything that I can see. He has not tweeted anything. He's constantly all he's doing is responding to things. Which again, if you're a coach and all you want to do is get back at people who are trashing you, you don't have anything to tweet. You're just yelling at people, and this is your account to be able to yell at people. So I, you know, I don't know, man. I don't know, but November 30th is, I think, the last time that this was used, and it's just sitting there if you want to check it out. Hilarious. And also kind of goes to it, and, and again, maybe it's not him, but if it is, and it certainly seems to be, it really speaks to the dysfunction of the organization. Something I wanted to bring up, I've had two different people now uh, this morning share something with me. One of them posted it on Twitter, the other just shared it in my DMs. But it looks like Spotify is um, telling you who your number one, you know, which podcast you've listened to the most. If by chance the Packernet podcast is the number one podcast, if it's what you listen to the most, um, as I've said, it would be greatly appreciated if anybody has the opportunity to share my podcast to kind of bring in more listeners and whatnot. By the way, the show has been doing great the last couple days. I don't know, maybe everybody's out of their funk from the last couple weeks of what's been going on. I I certainly hope that's the case because there's been a massive uh, boom, but uh, I want to keep that train rolling. kind of happened last year too. It was weird. I was looking at the numbers thinking that I was doing really terribly this year compared to last year, and it was the same thing. November really kind of took a weird hit, and then December just kaboom. Um, so I don't know. It's a weird thing. Obviously, we're getting close to the end of the season, so maybe there's a little bit more interest. I don't know. But if Spotify sends you any kind of notification, email, whatever it is, I have no idea, saying that uh, the Packernet Podcast is your most listened to podcast, if you wouldn't mind sharing that on whether it's Instagram or Twitter or whatever, uh, that would be greatly appreciated. Any opportunity to bring in a couple more listeners is always, uh, it would be extremely helpful. We've got a pretty big gap between where I am and uh, where I would like to be to be able to make this a full-time job. There is growth for the show. I did all the numbers and kind of looked at it compared to last year, and and we are growing. But at this pace, it's going to take a very long time. So if we could kind of get that increase up a little bit, that would be greatly appreciated. Just a thought. Again, I had two people just share it with me just now. So that must be a thing that Spotify is doing. So Um, As far as news and notes, not a whole lot. Uh, Darius Shepard was released. Probably not that big of a surprise to anybody. Um, a lot of had a lot of hope for him. There was some flashes, I believe, last year, thinking he could be a real good return guy or whatever. But he hasn't really done much of anything. And then when you add in um, not even better than just some guy you could pick up off the street and now fumbling, it's kind of uh, it's kind of what you would expect. And then when you bring in Tavon Austin. Again, I'm not exactly sure what he's going to bring to this team. I hope that they can find a way to use him in some kind of a dynamic manner, but uh, at the very least, they probably feel like he can do what Darius Shepard is doing or better. Maybe he will, maybe he won't, but that's the Packers' decision, and um, you know, it was just the the deck was pretty stacked against Darius Shepard at this point, so he is now gone. Uh, The Tavon Austin signing is now official, We're going to have to take a quick break right here because uh, it's just that time, unfortunately. Time is creeping up on me. So we'll take a quick break. We'll come back and talk about a couple things. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. 
Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So I did turn to the Facebook group to uh, provide a couple questions for the show. Um... A lot of the questions require a lot more homework, so I'm going to have to kind of table some of these. But I want to touch on a couple different questions slash comments. Some of them are questions or comments phrased as questions, but I'll just uh, acknowledge them for what they are, their comments. Terrell Hunter says, how do you feel about Green Bay coming back from an 81-57 record in the Bears-Packers rivalry and be the first to 100 wins? Um... I mean, I feel the way everybody feels about it. That is a pretty cool stat that I didn't know, and I didn't look up to verify, but I'll assume it's true. I will say this, though. It's been it's been crazy um, how one side of the rivalry has been in my lifetime. I, I And there's a couple questions or whatever geared toward this, but I did grow up in Illinois as a Packer fan, and it, it definitely made my experience a lot easier, the fact that the Packers almost never, never lost to the Bears very, very rarely. I think there was one one of my birthday parties um, that the Packers-Bears game was on, and the Bears actually did win, and I think it was by one point, because that was a talking point for me for a very long time. Um, in like 10 years, the Bears have beat the Packers once, and it was by one point. I don't think that's exactly the case, but it was something to that effect. So yeah, that's been a extremely one-sided event. Um, but it also kind of should remind us how easily and quickly these things can turn around. I mean, right before and right around the time I was born and for the, what, 20, 30 years prior to that? Not, no, that's not true. 20 years, we'll call it. The Packers were just a garbage football team. I mean, just terrible for a really, really long time. And we know the Aaron Rodgers era is coming to an end. We don't know what the future is going to hold. We might have another 20 years of terrible Packers football. 20 years! I don't think that's going to happen, but it might. And it really just comes down to how quickly can we find a competent quarterback. Maybe Jordan Love is it. Maybe he's not. I don't know. Which also goes to speak to how important it is and and why I don't think the Jordan Love pick was that terrible. Whether or not we face 20 years of misery comes down to whether or not we can find a quarterback. Taking multiple swings at quarterbacks to see if this could be the possible replacement. Do it. But it should, if nothing else, we should be appreciating where we are. Uh, because it wasn't always this way, and it won't always be this way. Luke in the Facebook group says, I just found out you're a fib. How did you become a Packer fan? Dad was born in Wisconsin. He just moved to Illinois shortly before I was born to get a job at O'Hare, and so I was raised a Packers fan. End of story. Danny says, Who would you prefer to start at quarterback for Philly, or who do you think we can combat better? It kind of makes me think of the Bears with Trubisky and Foles. It's not exactly the same, but it it kind of comes down to the same thing. I think Carson Wentz is similar to Foles in that he's been consistently pretty bad, and you're kind of hoping that he stays that same level of bad, and he doesn't seem to provide a whole lot of upside right now. He's just the guy that we know. 
He's the guy that we're familiar with. The high risk, high reward is Trubisky, right? Trubisky provides a lot more upside, much more mobile, higher probability that something crazy is about to happen. He has this freakish good day, but also a lot lower floor. If I had to pick, I would probably uh, see that's now I'm now I'm not so sure. If we're confident enough in our ability to beat the Eagles as they are, I, I say just keep it the way that it is. Right? Why throw in any kind of wild card or any kind of possibility of something crazy happening? Just keep it the way that it is. Why risk finding out that they actually have this dominant quarterback that's going to come in and just wreck the world? Why does this, his first game have to be against the Packers? Now, it's it's definitely, again, it's more likely that he's going to come in and be terrible and the Packers steamroll this team. It's also possible that Carson Wentz has a good day. He had a good game against Pittsburgh, uh, against the Giants, against Cleveland. Basically, his only three good games this year. But I, I guess, again, we don't need to roll the dice against the Eagles as they are. This is a team that is really, really bad. Let's just keep it consistent and uh, beat Carson Wentz as he is right now. Even though there's a higher likelihood that Jalen Hurts is just absolute garbage and would come out and just get wrecked by the Packers, I just don't feel like rolling the dice, right? I mean, if this was the... I mean, what's what's a better example? If this was a team we were worried about... You know, I mean, the Bears are a good example. The Bears are a team you're somewhat worried about because of that defense. Maybe you want to roll the dice on a quarterback that could possibly lose the game for them, which is basically what happened with their quarterback. Trubisky was so bad in critical situations, he threw two interceptions. There were multiple third downs he couldn't convert because he just threw balls in the dirt. So that was a situation where we kind of gambled, not that we got to pick, but it's it's a roll of the dice. You gamble with the high-risk, high-reward quarterback, and it paid off. I don't see the need to gamble against this team. So Jalen Hurts is probably a much worse quarterback, but I don't want to find out. I think we can win against Carson Wentz. Let's just keep it that way. That's that's kind of where I'm at. However, if Jalen if they just announce that Jalen Hurts is starting, there's going to be slight concern. Also, the other issue is we, we don't really know how to prepare for him. We don't know much about him. We know plenty about Carson Wentz. But I would be very excited because you just have this feeling that it's going to be a catastrophe. Again, even if he's a good quarterback down the line, the odds that his first ever start are going to be really solid, unlikely. Uh, David says, if you could only get one topping for a pizza, what is it? I've actually started moving over to cheese. Here's the thing. There are some pizza places that have delicious sausage. I think if you get some really, really good sausage, sausage is the right answer. There are some places, especially down in Chicago, where they get these meatball-sized sausage chunks that are just unbelievable. But, like, freezer pizza sausage is trash. Um, Like, fast foody pizza places, like... Pizza Hut and whatnot, their sausage is basically like freezer sausage, and it's kind of trash. It's just, it's kind of gross. Most pizza's sausage, I just don't like it. So a really, really good sausage is probably the best way. Pepperoni is my usual go-to, but so many places with their pepperoni is extremely greasy, and it's just kind of gross, and I don't really like that. So I've kind of just moved over to cheese just because it's easier. Plus, when you got kids, you don't have to hear the whining about whatever. Either that it's too greasy or it's too spicy or whatever. Just, you know, whatever. So pepperoni is usually my go-to, but I, I hate a disgustingly greasy pizza. Sausage is delicious if it's good sausage, which most places do not put good sausage on pizza. They put garbage sausage on pizza. There are some other alternatives that aren't terrible, but, you know, that definitely not a go-to. So I guess if I had to put one topping, what would it be? It would be pepperoni, just because, you know, very rarely is there bad pepperoni. So that's what I would do. And I would just have a bunch of napkins nearby to, you know, suck up all the grease. 
Um, Bennett says, do we want the number one seed or do we hope New Orleans holds on and beats the number five seed Bucks in the divisional? First of all, there are a million different scenarios. That's a very specific scenario. But I do get the question of, do we even want the number one seed a lot? And I think the answer to that question is yes. Because ultimately we're saying, do we want an automatic win in the first round of the playoffs? Of course the answer to that is yes. I understand that there's concerns with the bye week, but you, you can't say no to a bye. I just, there's, there's no way. I mean, even in this scenario, which we don't know that New Orleans is going to get the number one or that the Bucks are going to be the number five, we have no idea what the scenario is going to be. Even in this scenario, we're assuming that whoever we end up playing, we end up beating. We might lose and never even get to face the Saints. So I think when you get the opportunity to move to advance one round in the playoffs without ever having to set foot on a field, without risking injury and everything else, I think you have to take that. Again, I understand the concerns with, well, they don't play well after a bye. Well, too bad. There's a lot of concerns. A lot of things can go wrong, but you can't turn down a free automatic win in the playoffs when it's handed to you. So, yeah, I think we want it. Um, For the final question that I want to do today, uh, Christopher asked a question that I think is going to help me transition into something else that I find quite interesting. He says, with the fact that we have at least good players at every position, how fun will it be this year knowing Goot can really stick to best player available? I think that's a great point. Um, Some people would probably disagree and say we have some serious needs that need to be addressed, but also, I don't know that anything is so dire that it has to be necessarily first round. In other words, he can still stick to best player available on a round-to-round basis, trusting that we can get these players later on in the draft. For example, linebacker is a big need, but they're probably not going to address it in the first round either way. They'll start worrying about reaching if we haven't gotten a linebacker by rounds, you know, three or four or whatever. Then they're going to start looking at, well, we need to really pull the trigger on a linebacker. Let's let's go ahead and do that. So I do think, for the most part, Brian Gutekunst is going to feel like we can do best player available, right? Sort of like we talked about with, with linebacker, we've got some promising prospects. It seems like we might actually have a linebacker. We'll, we'll see how that goes. Uh, defensive tackle is in need, but we got Kingsley Kiki kind of stepping up. Obviously, Kenny Clark is, is paid a lot of money to get better, and the assumption will be, hopefully, that he can start playing a little bit better. Off the edge, you know, you feel pretty good. The safeties are coming along. I think corner is going to be a pretty big need in the upcoming draft, but you got Jair. You've got a couple different options, and again, it doesn't necessarily have to be a first-round pick. Um, obviously we have a quarterback, the wide receiver situation. A lot of Packer fans would still love to go in that direction. I tend to think that's going to be low on the priority list again, considering how important defensive tackle, linebacker, cornerback are. I think, uh, offensive tackle, I think all of those are going to be a higher priority considering this is the best offense the Packers have fielded since 2011. I think that's going to drive a lot of Packer fans crazy. I really think that is that is a low priority for the Packers right now. That's not to say they won't do it, because again, I agree. I think Brian Gutekunst is largely going to stick to best player available, and if it happens to be a wide receiver, I think they pull the trigger. I think that's, a, a, again, a misconception about last year is that there were wide receivers available and Brian Gutekunst refused to pull the trigger. I just don't think that, I think there were wide receivers that, and he said so, there were wide receivers they liked that just were either gone or, you know, were not the highest available player the the best value and so they decided not to do it right like guys like justin jefferson there's a good chance they would have pulled the trigger if he fell all the way to the packers but once he went off the board and some of the other guys went off the board that the packers liked, they realized we got to move up and get the one guy that's still high on our board while he's still available otherwise we got nothing left but guys we don't really like if they didn't trade up there's a good chance they probably would have traded back so they traded up and got the last guy on their board that's just the way it goes 
So yeah, I do think that's largely going to be the case. And that brings me to uh, something that I haven't actually done in a long time. And that is I updated my uh, big board. For those of you that don't know, what I like to do is go out to all the different big boards that are out there, whether it be, you know, uh, the Draft Network or CBS has one, Walter Football, Tankathon, whatever. There, there's dozens of big boards. And what I do is I take all of those, I aggregate them, and I average it all out to create one master list big board. There's one guy from the, uh, what is it, the Athletic that, that used to do that or does do that or whatever. But anyways, um, I've got... 1,218 different prospects here. And, well, this isn't going to work out, is it? Because I either attached the wrong file or I didn't save it before I attached it because this is not correct. That's annoying. But, anyways, I do have the information, although I don't have the specifics on me right now, which is, again, pretty annoying. But what I did was I looked at from picks 19 through 40, which is to say... If the Packers get to into the playoffs and get eliminated right away, the earliest we would get is pick 19. And then I went out to 40 just because, you know, you never know. You might reach a little bit on that pick 32 just to, to see what's in there. What I found was a lot of positions of need are going to be in that range, at least where it stands right now. So we're talking about 21 players, and about 15 of them are what I would consider to be positions of need. And again, I'll, I'll try to get the specifics sometime but there are three corners in that range two linebackers a center a guard four tackles and four wide receivers so 15 of the 21 at least are positions of need for the packers if we assume the packers are not interested in linebackers and wide receivers which you know probably linebacker more so than wide receiver then i would say there's a good chance that we're either looking at a tackle if the Packers want to go in that direction, maybe they like Billy Turner being there, in which case, forget it. Then it's starting to look a lot like cornerback is the number one pick, which really makes a lot of sense, and it's not being talked about a lot. But, okay, so we have Jair. We don't care for Josh Jackson. We assume Kevin King is going to be gone. Who's our corner? Kadar? I know Chandon, but he's in the slot. Corner's kind of a big priority, isn't it? Again, I don't remember exactly who is in that range. I know J.C. Horn was one of them. Uh, according to the Draft Network, you know, if, if their rankings are right, he'll be gone by that point. But according to the aggregate board, I know he was one of them, a cornerback out of South Carolina, 6'1", He's got that sort of, I mean, he's not Kevin King big, but he is sort of a bigger sized guy. But yeah, it, I mean, it's really going to lend itself to just having no idea what the Packers are going to do, especially considering the Packers have a history of drafting guys that you don't really see as being the top value at the time, right? Jair Alexander was kind of seen as a second-round pick up until like the day before the draft. Kenny Clark was not necessarily seen as the, the best value at that spot. Jordan Love was obviously a fairly big surprise, maybe not necessarily from a value standpoint, but at least as far as not expecting them to make that pick. So yeah, it's, it's going to be hard to figure out where what direction they go but at this point I'm kind of leaning toward not necessarily because it's the biggest need although you could make that case but I'm leaning toward the Packers taking a cornerback in the first round of the 2021 draft just kind of where my head's at right now and uh, as we kind of get closer and closer to it I'm going to be spending a little bit more time on that time is somewhat limited but I got to get cracking on it Anyways, relatively short day today, but I got to get going. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Wednesday. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.